0: Please join Mr. Mark Donnelly in the singing of our national Anthem, Canada.
1: O oh,
0: Canada.
2: Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 110, October 21st, 2018, Your Hope Mid-Toker. Thank you all for listening. Celebrations across the world. This week we have Canada Green Day, October 17th, 2018, The toque heard round the world. Second country in the history of mankind to legalize and regulate cannabis after Uruguay. First G7 nation. This is huge. Huge. Cannabis Act of 2018. I say thank you, Canada, first of all, for calling it the Cannabis Act. There's no talk of marijuana. We're in Cannabis Land. We are going back to its roots. Cannabis Indica. As we'll hear later from our, I don't know about good friend, but Emily Murphy. Canada's Anslinger. Reefer Madness Comparative. The Cannabis Act of 2018.
3: It's time to come together. It's up to you. Watch your pleasure. Everyone
1: around world, Come on.
2: Almost a hundred years ago, it's a we have an amendment added to the Opium and Narcotics Act. 1923. Part of the Chinese Exclusion Act. You feel where I'm coming from? Lots of immigration, as Emily Murphy would say, is a threat to white women. It's going to corrupt the white race. She'll point to Mexicans, Chinese immigrants, changing the face of Canada.
4: Hey, good doers of Alaska. This is Tom with Good Cannabis. We'd like to thank Mid Toker and Far North Tokers for the opportunity to give you a quick update on our deals for the week of Monday, October 22nd through Sunday, October 28th. Monday, we'll have good gummies for $35. That's 5 milligram gummies. Tuesday, October 23rd, all one gram pre-rolled joints will be $12. Wednesday, October 24th, all good concentrates, shatter, wax, crumble, batter, and live resin will be 30% off. Thursday, October 25th, all 2 grams top shelf Durban poison will be $24. Friday, October 26th, all good cannabis half ounces will be $150. Saturday, October 27th, all one-gram pre-rolled joints will be $12. Sunday, October 28th, all 10 packs of good gummies, again, will be $35. Don't forget about our daily in-house specials. You can either give us a call or just come down to the shop and find out what those will be. Also, BioJesus is back. Thanks again, Midtoker. We look forward to seeing you all down at the shop. Have a great week, Fairbanks.
2: intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Early drug prohibition in Canada begins with the Opium Act of 1908. A lot of mob violence going into Chinatown and in Japantown, Vancouver. Anti-opium leagues starting. You want to suppress the drug because opium smoking was making headway, not only among white men and boys, but also among women and girls. This is to protect the women. Now, three years later, the Opium and Drug Act of 1911 outlaws the sale or possession of morphine, opium, or cocaine. Now, smoking opium, completely different offense, punishable by maximum penalty of fifty dollars and one month in jail. So here's this separation between different types of drugs and a different penalty for what some say are the immigrants are using opium. Nothing happens much, you know. We got almost a decade goes past. The Opium and Narcotic Drug Act of 1920. Penalties are now stiffer in the 20s. Far more prison terms being handed out compared to earlier. Maximum prison sentences are increased from one to seven years. And if you were in possession or trafficking, you could be deported. Moral issues come into effect. Chinese Exclusion Act 1923. And the Opium and Narcotic Drug Act side by side. This amendment, cannabis is added to the list. Three new drugs are added to the list of banned substances in Canada. Heroin, codeine, and cannabis indica. Two crucial things going on right now. Again, the League of Nations meeting, international control of the drug was broached, and Emily Murphy's book, The Black Candle. We have to give... Miss Murphy some credit. She had a lot of things to do with women's rights. When a woman's husband would die, she had no right to property afterwards. She got that changed. Voting rights. She became one of the first magistrates, judges, in Canada kind of female. Um, had to do with prostitution. Trying to bring rights to women accused of prostitution. But she also was a racist. A lot of problems with immigration. And she used the relief of those people to attack those people. Attack what those people use. Then you would end up attacking the people. It's interesting. Same thing happened here in America. You don't have to attack the people. The poor and the immigrants. You attack what the poor and immigrants are using. Cannabis. Vilify it. Say it's corrupting the white race. And we have prohibition in the early 20th century. America's. In Emily Murphy's Black Candle, she used a lot of stories talking about bad things gonna happen. Strong links between drugs and race and the threat possessed of white women. She claims this ring of immigrants from other countries, particularly China, is gonna corrupt the white race. Let's hear what her book says, huh? Chapter 23, The Black Candle, Marijuana, The New Menace. The North Bowl Refinery is here to provide Alaska with the finest quality CBD product available on the market today. This includes Select CBD, cultivated by Montel Williams, Lazarus Naturals, Jerome Baker, Hot Mess Medics, and constantly testing new products. The North Bowl Refinery is a distributor to these fine locations, smoking deals in Fairbanks and Kenai. Good Cannabis, Nature's Relief, Gapco, Denali's Cannabis Cash, Uncle Herbs and Homer and Anchorage, The Frost Farm, and on Facebook with more locations coming soon. The North Bowl Refinery, quality CBD in Alaska. Chapter 23, Marijuana, A New Menace. My eyes are veiled because I drink cups of bang. This drug is not really new, but as yet is comparatively unknown in the United States and Canada, although three of the American states, California, Missouri, and Wyoming, have legislated against its use, the authorities and police officers generally being woefully ignorant of its nature or extraordinary menace. At the convention held at The Hague in 1912, Italy suggested a study of this drug, holding that its use would increase as the opium traffic was suppressed. Marijuana is known by chemists and physicians as cannabis indica, and more commonly as Indian hemp. Sometimes it is called hashish. In chapter 31 of the Count of Monte Cristo, Dumas gives us an account of that hashish debauch. In this chapter, Sinbad, the host, describes the green preserve as nothing less than the ambrosia which he be served at the table of Jupiter. Sinbad speaks of this as the hashish of Alexandria, the hashish of Abogor, the celebrated maker, the only man to whom there should be built a palace, inscribed with these words, a great for world to a dealer in happiness. Eminent medical doctors in India, principally at Calcutta, have made experiments with cannabis indica and discovered that it induces symptoms of catalepsy or even a trance. It is also claimed that the fakers of India who suffered themselves to be buried and who are later disinterred do so through the agency of this drug. Some years ago, Dr. James Braid of Edinburgh wrote a monograph on the subject entitled Trance and Human Hibernation, which was published by John Church of Princess Street, Soho, London. Hashish is the Arabic name and means literally dried herb. It may be smoked, chewed, or drunk. Our English word assassin comes from this word. The hemp resin for smoking and chewing comes in three forms, chong, ganja, and charis. The Indian hemp is used chiefly in Asia Minor, India, Persia, and Egypt but is being increasingly used on this continent, particularly by the Mexicans who smuggled into the United States. Last year, 54 persons were convicted for using or peddling it in Los Angeles, California. Charles A. Jones, the chief of police for the city, said in a recent letter that hashish or Indian hemp grows wild in Mexico. To raise this shrub in California constitutes a violation of the state narcotic law. He says persons using this narcotic smoke the dried leaves of the plant, which has the effect of driving them completely insane. The Attica loses all sense of moral responsibility. Addicts to this drug, while under its influence, are immune to pain and could be severely injured without having any realization of their condition. While in this condition, they become raving maniacs and are liable to kill or indulge in any form of violence to other persons, using the most savage methods of cruelty without, as said before, any sense of moral responsibility. When coming from under the influence of this narcotic, these victims present the most horrible condition imaginable. They are dispossessed of their natural and normal willpower, and their mentality is that of idiots. If this drug is indulged, into to any great extent, it ends in the untimely death of its addict. Mr. Hamilton Fife in The Real Mexico, writing this drug, says of it, they, the Mexicans, madden themselves with a drug called marijuana. This has strange and terrible effects. It appears to make those who swallow it do whatever is uppermost in their thoughts. At El Paso, a peon came across the International Bridge firing a rifle at Hall and Sundry. Much talk against the Americans and a dose of marijuana had decided him to invade the United States by himself. The bridgekeeper quickly put a bullet into the poor wretch. W. H. B. Stoddard of the Bethlehem Royal Hospital of London says the drug is used for the purpose of inducing pleasurable motor excitement and hallucinations, which are commonly sexual in character among Eastern races. This contention is, however, denied by the Encyclopedia Britannica which says there is no evidence that the drug is an aphrodisiac. Stoddard says further that hashish causes epigastric sensations with anesthesia of the arms and legs. The acute intoxication is characterized by sleepiness and a certain impudent daredevil demeanor. As an intoxication from alcohol, the gait is staggering. The addict has delusions of persecution or of measureless grandeur. Speaking of the latter delusion, Dr. Palmer writes that in India, under its influence, your servant is apt to make you a grand salam instead of a sandwich and offer you an auri, when you merely demanded a red herring. Salam instead of sandwich, salam being a grand gesture bow. Auri, young virgin. Dr. Warnock in the Journal of Mental Sciences for January 1903 states that acute mania from hashish varies from a mild short attack of excitement to a prolonged attack of furious mania ending in exhaustion or even death. He describes the hashish user in the following words. They are good-for-nothing lazy fellows who live by begging or stealing and pester their relations for money to buy the hashish, often assaulting them when they refuse the demands. The moral degradation of these cases is the utmost salient symptom. Loss of social position, shamelessness, addiction to lying and theft, and a loose, irregular life makes them a curse to their families. It appears that in using this poison, the time sense becomes impaired in such a way that time appears to pass slowly. One addict says that on recovering from the debauch, it was like returning home from an eternity spent in loneliness among the palaces of strangers. Well, may I say an eternity, he continues, for during the whole day, I could not rid myself of the feeling that I was separated from the preceding one by an immeasurable lapse of time. It is also a peculiarity of hashish that its fantasia almost invariably takes Oriental form. It is hashish which makes both the Syrian and the Saxon Oriental, quoth one of its habitats. The Quincy tells the same of opium, but this may only have been because in normal hours his imagination dallied with Eastern themes and scenes. Speaking of these fantasia with their unimaginable horrors, he writes. I was buried for a thousand years in stone coffins with mummies and sphinxes in narrow chambers at the heart of eternal pyramids. I was kissed with cancerous kisses by crocodiles and laid confounded with unutterable slimy things amongst reeds and nilotic mud. It is believed that the Arabian Nights were written under the motor excitement of hashish. The romancer under its influence travelled on a magic carpet and saw strange lands and sights, blown on some mystic wind conjured up by the drug. The modern Habitat, in a frenzy of travel, passes through all latitudes in gigantic tours. Now, with joyous lightness, he is on the way to Mandalay, or again, in the profoundest dejection, he has come to say goodbye. He travels through marshy jungles or over mid-earth lakes, across desert plains, over valleys of roses, or in the high air where insane faces howl at him and curse horribly. Sometime about the middle of the last century, a remarkable volume entitled The Hashish Year was written by Fitzhugh Ludlow, an American author of great ability and high culture. He was born in the state of New York in 1836 and died of consumption in Switzerland in 1870. He was special correspondent to New York Dailies, wrote much magazine literature and edited Vanity Fair from 1858 to 1860. The effects of hashish, this weed of madness being explained to him by a druggist, he was impelled by curiosity and by a desire to record these effects scientifically to experiment with this narcotic, not only on himself, but on his fellow students. There are plenty of folk who pretend to themselves that they yield to narcotic enchantment in a desire for research and not for sensual gratification, and that they inure their friends to its effects for the same reason. But however kindly in judgment one finds these statements hard to credit, and even if credited, only demonstrates these persons as rascals manifest. Ludlow has described the delirium of hashish with its hellish agonies and no one ever did before or could wish to again. He told of the jubilance from the drug and of its reactory results in physical and mental depression, of the nervous waste from hashish addiction, and the necessity of again using the drug to supply the waste, which it first occasioned. He also tells the story of his enfranchisement from this fell and deadly habit Till that time when he was no longer an outcast from man's league with God. It is pointed out that there are three ways out from this regency of addiction. First, insanity. Second, death. Third, abandonment. This is assuredly a direful trinity, and one with which the public should be cognizant in order that they may be warned of the sharp danger that lies in even curiously tasting poisons which have been inhibited, or which are habit-forming. China Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit gonna love this place convenient access right off the highway special in-house strains fine flower strains chocolate sourdough blue kush big smooth purple og kush fruity pebbles mm. concentrates by good cannabis good titrations edibles by AK frost and the good cannabis gummies head on over to China cannabis check out the full menu on leafly.com open monday through friday 10 a.m to 9 p.m sunday noon till six you don't have to drive all the way to fairbanks for your cannabis needs save your time get your quality cannabis at china cannabis your north pole cannabis dispensary China cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Let's look how Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, got this done. 2012, Liberal Party of Canada proposes legalization, major campaign platform for Mr. Trudeau. He wins the election as Liberal Party. 2015, starts Task Force on Cannabis Legalization Regulation, released a report in 2016. July 1st, 2018, set to be the day. They don't know when it's going to happen, and we have it this week, October seventeenth, two thousand eighteen, Green Day Canada. Justin Trudeau. Let's listen to the Canadian government announce that this is going to happen. April two thousand seventeen.
0: This is a very important day. Uh, I've spent most of my adult life uh, protecting children and keeping communities safe, and and I, from experience, I know that the use of cannabis among our young people is, is among the highest in the world. I believe that we have to do a better job of protecting our kids. I'm also aware uh, from from four decades of of police work that this is a business overwhelmingly controlled by organized crime. And the profits of that that criminal enterprise do no good in any of our communities. And so I'm very proud that our government has committed to doing a better job of protecting our kids and to take the profits out of organized crime while also ensuring the health of all our citizens. Too many of our kids currently have access to, to cannabis. And and we know that criminal prohibition has failed to protect our kids and our communities, and we need a new approach. That is why we are pleased to be here with you today to announce that our government is taking decisive action to strictly regulate and restrict access to cannabis and to toughen our impaired driving laws. Protecting the health and safety of Canadians is a priority for our government. Despite decades of criminal prohibition, Canadians including 21% of our youth and 30% of young adults, continue to use cannabis at among the highest rates in the world. That cannabis is grown and sold illegally, profiting criminals and organized crime with no regard for its potency, purity or provenance. The proposed legislation which is introduced today seeks to legalize, strictly regulate and restrict access to cannabis and it will make Canada safer. It will impose serious serious criminal penalties for those who provide cannabis to young people, create a legal and regulated market for cannabis to take the profits out of the hands of criminals and organized crime, and it will protect public health through strict product requirements for safety and quality. In order to further protect Canadians, our government has committed to creating new and stronger laws to punish more severely those who drive while impaired by cannabis alcohol and other drugs impaired driving is the leading cause of death and injury in canada the proposed cannabis legislation is informed by the recommendations made by our task force on cannabis legalization and regulation which was led by the honorable anne mcclellan i'd like to take this opportunity to to acknowledge and thank them for their exceptionally hard work and to all canadians and experts who shared their experience and expertise and evidence with us and formulating the recommendations upon which we act today. I'd also like to take the opportunity to acknowledge the extraordinary support that we have received from public service, servants in the ministries of justice, health and public safety. It's a remarkable team of very hard-working and dedicated individuals who have and will continue to inform this very important work to keep our kids and our communities safer. This proposed legislation is robust and well-informed by the input of our task force and experts in many fields, including those from public health, justice, public safety, and problematic substance use. We also heard from over 30,000 Canadians who provided input on an online online portal, as well as many experts from fields uh, that I previously mentioned. In the weeks and months ahead, our government will continue to engage collaboratively with our provinces, territories, and municipalities as well as our indigenous partners as we all share responsibility in implementing cannabis legalization and regulations thank you all very much
2: Movin' Free Farms has been committed to teaching youngsters to the young at heart English and Western horseback riding for 25 years, located just behind the university. They teach year-round in either the indoor heated arena in the winter or outside in the summer. Give them a jingle at 907-378-0103 to schedule a convenient time. Movin' Free Farms, let's ride some horses. Now what does this do? A 30 gram limit is set where you can buy or possess its a provincial government so the different provinces can choose a little bit of how they're going to regulate it some are deciding to keep it at 18 19 years old depending on the province and how it's associated with alcohol consumption Alberta and Quebec they're considering going 21 now Justin Trudeau has some problems with that listen to him how he explains why he feels that the p- consumption of cannabis should be at 18 or 19, respectively, how it happens with alcohol.
1: We remain preoccupied uh, that if we raise uh, beyond 18 or 19 the legal age of consumption, um, we could be facilitating uh, a segment of market that would be only, therefore, served uh, by, uh, by the uh, illegal um, legal market by the black market by criminal organizations. Uh, That's why uh, we're going to continue to have conversations with the incoming Quebec government uh, to make sure that they understand our concerns and our motivations for the choices we made Uh, and you know we will allow them obviously to uh, take their positions and we'll see what uh, what next steps need to be taken as they firm up their approach on protecting our kids, protecting our communities through controlling and regulating the sale of marijuana. The reason why we it was Recommended that we fix uh, the consumption age at uh, 18 or 19, the ages of uh, alcohol consumption uh, across the country, uh, is because uh, there's a need to find uh, and to to properly eliminate the black market. Um, There have been recommendations that marijuana can be more harmful to the developing brain. Uh, which might push it up to 25. But there is a segment of the population between the ages of 18 and uh, 21 or even 25 that would be a significant market for the black market or criminal organizations to continue uh, to target their sales of marijuana too. Because one of our significant goals is eliminating the criminal enterprise uh, from the legalization of marijuana. Uh, We certainly feel uh, that uh, keeping it at 18 or 19 is uh, the right uh, compromise as we move forward. But, of course, we will continue to engage and converse with uh, provinces on different approaches and thoughts that they have in uh, making sure that we continue to protect our communities and our, uh, our, uh, our families and our young people.
2: Now, with this consumption age of 18, 19, and possibly 21 in Quebec, there's going to be a lot of tourism heading up to Canada, that underage tourist. I did a lot of underage tourism myself growing up in Pennsylvania, heading up to Canada for alcohol consumption. Now that you're going to go to Canada and get cannabis, there's going to be some issues with that. You can guarantee it. Let's listen to a report done out of Buffalo, New York, talking to the border control there and how things are going to be.
0: Good evening once again. Lawmakers in Canada now getting very close to ironing out the final details for the legal use of recreational marijuana. Our neighbors to the north hope to have the drug legalized sometime this summer or early fall. But as 7 Eyewitness News reporter Josh Bazan tells us tonight, that change has federal agents on this side of the border gearing up now to be sure that none of that pot ends up in the United States.
2: Customs and Border Protection's been uh, getting ready for this for a few months now, about five months.
3: Canada has been talking about legalizing recreational marijuana for more than a year. So as the country gets closer to making that a reality, the move comes as no surprise to US Customs and Border Protection. It's something we've always been on the lookout for and we always will continue to be on the lookout for. The approach for CBP won't really change. Marijuana remains illegal in the United States, so federal agents are always looking for it. But the approach will change across the border. Fred Eisenberger is mayor of Hamilton, Ontario. He hopes the federal Government will lay out clear guidelines so cities like his can start preparing for legal marijuana
4: It's going to be an interesting challenge, but uh, I think the, the the federal government's committed to doing this. I think it's a positive step uh, it, it, uh, I think it, it realizes that this use is happening and uh, why not regulate it and, uh, and, and profit from it from a taxing perspective
3: here at home, CBP has been meeting with local law enforcement agencies to be sure everyone is ready for if and when Canada legalizes marijuana. The country expects to do so and have the law in effect by August or September.
2: You know, concern will be, will will there be some people that go up there to recreationally use it and uh, might possibly leave a small amount in their car to bring back? Absolutely.
3: The warning from federal officials? Simple.
2: You're guaranteed to run into a law enforcement officer crossing the border, so the chances of you getting caught go up. So if you do use it over there, don't drive impaired and don't bring it back.
3: In Buffalo, Josh Bazan, 7 Eyewitness News. Another issue that comes
2: up is, what are we going to do with the people that have convictions on cannabis now that it's legal? Something I have a problem with, I have a possession charge that causes me all kinds of grief going through Canada. Justin Trudeau is going to make it easier for Canadian citizens to get rid of that, hoping something can happen for me too.
1: Uh, Well, as we've said from the very beginning, it would be irresponsible to talk about uh, forgiving or Bringing in pardons as long as the current law stays in place. As of today, we have a new regime in which uh, simple possession of marijuana is no longer legal, uh, no longer illegal, uh, and therefore uh, we've put forward a process on obtaining part- pardons uh, that is simplified, uh, that will be free for people who have uh, simple possession of, of uh, cannabis uh, criminal records, and we know that because. Uh, there is a disproportionate representation of young people from minorities, racialized communities who are saddled with criminal convictions for, convictions for uh, simple possession uh, as a significant further challenge to a success in the job market. Uh, this is going to make a real difference to people who've, uh, who've been uh, unfairly impacted by, uh, by the previous, uh, previous regime. Yes, and one of the things that we recognized is that there is a failure of public policy, or there has been a failure of public, public policy. The prohibition on marijuana has not worked in this country. Uh, young Canadians have the highest rate of marijuana usage of anyone in the world, according to a UN study, uh, and criminal organizations and street gangs uh, make uh, over $6 billion a year on the sale of marijuana. Uh, across the country. That needs to stop. And that's exactly what we've done by controlling and regulating the sale of marijuana. uh, We know that we're going to make it more difficult for young people to access it. Uh, We're going to remove the profits from the pockets of uh, criminal organizations, and we're going to have a uh, regulatory framework that will allow us uh, to give the supports to uh, police officers, to uh, uh, addictions treatments, to a broad range of supports uh, that will make our community safer and make our kids safer. I've, I've said many times that I'm uh, not, uh, not a drug user. Uh, I, I uh, don't drink much alcohol. I don't drink coffee. Uh, I have no intention of using marijuana.
2: Dab Lab AK, winner of Cannabis Classic 2017, Alaska's best glass shop. And there's no doubt as to why. High quality, American-made glass, not this cheap import stuff. With the best CBD and accessories available on the market, all in a comfortable, professional setting at competitive prices. Support local, College Road, Fairbanks. I'm going to let my buddy Alaska Red tell you.
3: For the highest quality glass that you're going to find in Alaska, head on down to my buddy's shop, Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road.
2: That's Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road, Fairbanks, Alaska. 10 to 9, Sunday through Thursday, open till 11, Friday to Saturday. For all your cannabis accessory needs, Dab Lab A.K. Backtrack provided by Alaska Red, Lyrical Sticker. Most of Canada, you can grow four plants. Quebec and Manitoba are having trouble. They're banning recreational growing. Throughout Canada, online and mail order is going to be a function of cannabis sales. That will be run by the federal government. Interesting. There will be some public consumption. No vehicle or where kids are around. You cannot consume in your vehicle or where kids are around. This is going to bring a problem like it has in Alaska, probably Colorado, Washington apartments. Can you consume in your condo apartment? Some condos and apartments are making rules where you can't. There will be no edibles in the Canadian rec market until 2019. Still working regulations for that. They say you can purchase flour and make edibles at home yourself. A lot of this regulation is going to be done with the local liquor boards, similar to Alaska. Her report in 2002 by Leah Spicer, Law and Government Division, for the Senate Special Committee on Illegal Drugs, she did a history of cannabis, and what we're going to look at now is how specifically it with Canada. She was asked to do this by the Canadian Senate. She goes on to say... While people in the United States were introduced to the psychoactive use of cannabis in the early 1900s by way of ethnic immigration settlers and contact with other cultures outside of the United States, there are no reliable accounts of the non-medical use of cannabis in Canada, which predate the 1930s. Even between the years of 1930 and 46, there are only 25 convictions for cannabis possession in all of Canada. Meanwhile, in the United States, several newspapers have begun publishing reports of young people using marijuana. In 1933, Detective L.E. Bowery of Wichita Police Department claimed no denial can be made of the fact that marijuana smoking is at the present a common practice among the young people of the city and that it is constantly becoming more prevalent. Later, by the early 1960s, cannabis well established in many American universities and among many high school age used. This may have been due to the American involvement in the Vietnamese War as well as due to the evolution of the 1960s hippie psychedelic ethos the growth of underground newspapers and the mass media's attention to the drug. Seems like Canada is putting it on America, the United States. It was not until the mid to late 1960s when this level and type of usage was imitated in Canada. In 1962, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police reported only 20 cases connected with cannabis. In 1968, the number of cannabis cases risen to over 2,300. And in 1972, 12,000. The spread of marijuana use among Canadian youth in the late 60s is attributable to the adoption of the American social forces of the psychedelic hippie movement. Like their American counterparts, Canadian counterculture began to protest society's values placed on them and held sit-ins and demonstrations against injustices such as racism, poverty, and the lack of women's rights. One of these demonstrations occurred in 1971 in Vancouver's Gastown. The event was a smoke-in with a few hundred cannabis activists and hippies in attendance. Travel is another possibility as to how marijuana use spread quickly throughout Canada during the late 60s and early 70s. The late 60s brought about a time when Canadians followed their fellow American counterparts to regions such as the Far East where they became exposed to different cultural practices of cannabis use in their search for cheap hashish. Travel and transportation are crucial variables in drug history, just as they are in the history of infectious diseases. Thus, in part, the increase of marijuana use in Canada during the 1960s could also be correlated with the increase in numbers of people traveling from other countries to settle in Canada, bringing with them an array of cultural practices. Until the 60s, Canada's immigration laws prevented immigrants from countries other than Britain, the United States, and Europe from settling in Canada. Moreover, immigrants were expected to shed their distinctive heritage and assimilate almost entirely to existing cultural norms of a white settler society. Therefore, until this time, contact with cultures that may have used cannabis for purposes other than industrial medical purposes was limited. In 1961, however, Canadian immigration policy changed. And since this time, people have traveled from their native countries in Asia, the Caribbean, Africa, Central, and South America to come to live in Canada. But while immigration laws were expanded in 1961, the government continued to expect immigrants to assimilate to the white settler society. It was not until the late 60s to early 70s when the Canadian hippie movement came into full swing that under pressure from immigrant groups, the Canadian government rejected the assimilist model of immigration and instead adopted a more tolerant policy, a multicultural approach, that allows and indeed encourages immigrants to maintain various aspects of their ethnic heritage. Immigrants were now free to maintain some of their old customs regarding food, dress, recreation, and religion and to associate with others to maintain these practices. This is no longer seen as unpatriotic or un-Canadian. Then we have late 70s. What happens in America in the late 70s? Early 80s, the Reagan-Bush era, the war on drugs. This moves over into Canada as well. 1987, Canada's drug strategy was implemented to address both the supply and demand reduction strategies and programs in enforcement, treatment, and prevention programming were funded. Some say that at the time, this may have been the most severe cannabis censorship strategy in the world. 1987, 30 years ago. But, in the 90s, cannabis use is increasing. Lots of immigration happening in Canada. More permissive attitude of Canadians towards marijuana could potentially be linked to theories of transitional movements of cultural values, therefore leading Canadians to increased exposure and acceptance of different values of marijuana usage. The 1990s also saw the rise of cannabis decriminalization movement joined by hundreds of recreational smokers who say that Canada's laws against cannabis are outdated. Many governments in a number of European countries, including the Netherlands, Germany, Italy, and Spain, have now decided not to prosecute for possession of cannabis for personal use. Despite this, in 1997, the Canadian government passed the Controlled Drug and Substance Act. With the enactment of such a heavy-handed law in 1997, which continued the trend of Canadian prohibition of cannabis despite the growing permissive mentality for its use, the marijuana issue quickly rises to a boiling point. Several Canadians go direct to police and the courts to challenge what they say to the country's drug laws. And the courts made decisions in favor of marijuana use for medicinal purposes. We have religious freedoms to smoke marijuana in various cases. Medical is becoming a huge thing in the 90s. Medical cannabis comes into effect in 2001 in Canada. We have a couple decriminalization bills to try to get through in 2003, 2004, fail. Now we have a Vancouver plan in 2005. Preventing harm from psychoactive drug use that aims to regulate the sale of cannabis. Public meetings across the city, citizens called for a more focused, coordinated, and sustained approach to addressing drug-related issues. Since that time, our understanding of the issue has grown. This plan highlights both the complexity and centrality of prevention in a discussion of a comprehensive four-pillar approach to harmful drug use, prevention, treatment, enforcement, and harm reduction. In 2007, first term of office, Prime Minister Stephen Harper announces a new national anti-drug strategy. Following the conservative victory in 2008 election, the government renounced the policy in February 2009. Proposed legislation would have dealers facing one-year mandatory prison sentences if they were operating for organized crime purposes or if violence is involved. Dealers also would face two-year mandatory jail sentence if they are selling to youth or dealing drugs near a school or an area normally frequented by youth. Additionally, people in Canada who run a large cannabis grow operation of at least 500 plants would risk facing a mandatory two-year jail term. Maximum penalties for producing cannabis would increase from 7 to 14 years. That's 2007, 11 years ago. 2009, mandatory minimums. Legislation submitted by the conservative minority government moved in a new direction. Increasing penalties on cannabis trafficking by introducing mandatory minimum sentencing. The legislation passed the House of Commons with the support of the Liberal Party of Canada while both the NDP and Bloc opposed the legislation. And on April 13, 2017, a bill to legalize cannabis by June. Cannabis in Canada is legal for all intents and purposes. Sales for recreational use commences October 17, 2018. Cannabis will be taxed. Producing revenues of about 618 million per year initially, and eventually billions. A recent government estimate indicates that the illegal marijuana industry is worth seven billion per year. Thank you, Ken.
4: What would you think if I sang?
2: Now, being a patron of Far North Tokers comes with an extra bonus of discounts at participating sponsors: Chena Cannabis, the North Bowl Refinery, Moving Free Farm, Dab Lab AK. Thank you, sponsors, for extending these benefits to our patrons. Like our newest patron, Rhonda Howard and Sarah Grover, can't forget our longtime supporters, Marilyn Berglund, Carrie Mullis, Peggy Peters, Aaron Worthing, and Ramlin Ranger. Listeners supporting the artist financially for as little as $2 a month. You let me know I can just keep on keeping on. Patreon.com slash midtoker. Let's end with Prime Minister Trudeau talking about the rest of the G7. They recognize that Canada is being daring in our desire and our honesty when we admit that the current system does not work, that it's not preventing young people from having easy access to cannabis. In many countries, especially in Canada, it's easier for minors to buy a joint than buy a beer. It doesn't make any sense. Canada will become the first G7 nation to authorize production, sale, and consumption of weed. By controlling and regulating the sale of cannabis, we can better protect our communities and our young people. The allies I spoke with are interested in seeing how things go, but I have a feeling they will wait to see how it goes in Canada before they try it in their countries. Here's Toke in Canada. The Toke heard round the world. Hey, Thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan Canvas on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon. helps support the show by nature at patreon.com slash midtoker. Here's Token.